This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're bringing baby to work in episode number 104. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. And I am thrilled to be here with you this week talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, which is working with baby in tow. And it's also a topic that I've been asked about. Specifically, one podcast listener really encouraged me to do this. She's uh, She isn't pregnant right now, has been thinking about becoming pregnant, thinking about really wanting a baby, feeling that longing for a baby, but also wondering how it will impact things. She and her partner own a little grocery store And lots of people in their small, close-knit community have told them that they really need to have a baby, even encouraged them, we don't mind if you have the baby at the store with you, but she still has some reservations. And her questions were great questions. These are questions that I think moms struggle with all over the world, and we're going to explore those in today's podcast. Before I jump into the meat of the podcast, however... I wanted to share something that I think is really exciting. It's something that we've just started working on in natural birth and baby care, and I wanted to let you know about it. What we are doing is we are taking the classes offered through Natural Birth and Baby Care and also part of the Smart Mama Happy Baby membership, which you can find out more about at smartmamahappybaby.com. That membership includes the full library of all these classes, but we're also doing this for one-off class purchases, at least for past classes. Uh, We haven't started doing it for live classes yet, but what we're doing is we're taking classes that have been taught as live classes, as webinars, as teleseminars, and we're actually transcribing those so that regardless of how you learn, be it best learning via watching the, the webinar recording, via listening to the audio of the recording, or if you really learn best by reading, or if you really want to be able to go back and study a particular section of the class, or if you want to be able to skim through to get back to a main idea idea that you wanted to explore further, or if you just get through things sometimes more quickly by reading, I understand that because that's often me. Some things are really good to hear talked over because, especially for me, teaching just allows me to get into a lot more depth. It lets me get on a roll with my thoughts uh, and feel like I'm just, again, I'm able to hit something at a deeper level, which is why I love teaching via audio. Sometimes we also want to have videos so that we can have points underscored in our mind or so that we can see demonstrations of things. But other times we just really want to dig into written material. So that's one of the things that we're doing. So far, we have the vaccine class transcribed, which was by far the most requested. And we also have the tearing and pelvic floor health class transcribed. So both of those are available to purchase individually in the shop, which you can find by going to um, birthbabylife.com shop. Or you can head to the Natural Birth and Baby Care main page, scroll to the bottom, and hit the link to the shop. But otherwise, a quick link is uh, birthbabylife.com shop. Again, Again, all of these classes are in the Smart Mama Happy Baby Library, so you can check out the entire library. We have more than 25 classes in it so far, uh, with more to come. We're just finishing up a series that has been uh, has been a challenge to teach and listen to, but encouraging because it's been on miscarriage, and and we'll be jumping into even more classes to come on lots of exciting topics, sometimes challenging topics. One of the cool things that we're doing with Smart Mama Happy Baby right now is we're doing a weekly book study. This book study uh, that we're currently in, we've just just started, so if you're interested in it, you can jump into it right away pretty easily, and we're studying Montessori from the start, which is looking at early childhood development from a Montessori perspective from the newborn period on up to about three years of age, and we're also pulling in thoughts from Waldorf, thoughts uh, from educators like Charlotte Mason, thoughts from what we might call traditional parenting, thoughts from attachment parenting, just kind of using the book as a backbone to really dig into all of that and figure out what resonates for each of our own individual families. I'm really enjoying that. It's been a long time since we've done a book club, but we've, we've gotten that launched with Montessori from the start. So that's also part of Smart Mama Happy Baby. In addition to the weekly Q&A call where you ask me about anything and everything from cranky newborns, getting babies to sleep, worrying about breastfeeding issues, starting 
solids, picky eaters, toddler tantrums. I cover it all. And then, uh, and so we have the weekly Q&A, the book club, and then we also have the live classes, which we do three to four of those a month. So it's a pretty cool place to be. Plus, you get the entire library of 25 classes. And like I said, we're working on transcribing all the classes and we'll hopefully be getting to transcriptions probably not in real time as soon as the class is up because I have to teach it before it can be transcribed, but I hope that that will soon be a feature of everything. And then we have other little goodies like menu plans and those sorts of things. So check that out. Uh, Either check out the individual classes in the shop or check out the entire club at smartmamahappybaby.com. I would love to have you there. And now we're going to move on to our topic for today's podcast, which is very close to the Smart Mama Happy Baby heart. So I'm really happy to segue into that. We are going to talk about babies in the workplace, or we'll even dig into a little bit the thought of children in the workplace and see what are some thoughts on that. I can dig in a little bit to how that looks for me personally throughout the podcast and hopefully give you some encouragement that helps you make the right choice for yourself and your family. The big question is really should babies be in the workplace? And again, we could expand it to should children be in the workplace? But let's talk about babies first, and we'll come back and talk about toddlers and older kids and those sorts of things. Okay, so what are the what, what would be the pros and the cons of babies in the workplace? Let's tackle that first and then dig a little bit deeper into, I think, what should probably be the real question on that topic. But let's look at it for surface level first. What are pros and cons? So most of us can probably think of the cons, quickly. So let's talk about that. First of all, uh, the cons are, is this even a concept that we could approach as a society, as a culture? And I guess I'll say as a modern culture, because I realize when I say culture, you know, I'm an American, you might be Canadian or French or South African or Australian or whatever you are. Forgive me for not hitting everybody, but I realize that we all grow up in slightly differing cultures. But when we look at uh, kind of these, these cultures that most of us are coming from, there's a lot of similarities in what the workforce looks like. And what we think about is adults going into the workforce, doing a day's work, and then coming home to the family. Um, And the children were either cared for by an at-home parent or a nanny or an au pair or a daycare setting. um, Or, and, and then, or they're old enough to go to school. So they're taking care of like differently. And the workplace is completely segregated. So the biggest con is that we're coming from that societal viewpoint that children are segregated from the workforce. And we're going to dig into history at various times here. But when we think about it on the surface of history, and we think about things like child labor and unfair exploitation of child labor, we think that that separation of work and children is a good thing. But really what we're talking about here and tackling here is we're not really talking about children our babies, obviously, our babies going to be in the workforce because they're going to be exploited. No, um, but of course that does bring to mind another con is safety. So, what are the safety considerations? And when we think back to the Industrial Revolution and children in the workplace, at that point we're thinking about children who are being exploited, children who are being injured, uh, and those are not conditions that we want to see return. And certainly. There are some instances where it's not safe for children. So I'm going to actually kind of profile a business that has brought babies into the workplace, but within certain parameters, depending on where the employee works. And we'll see how that has a safety focus. So obviously, we want to keep the child's safety in mind. And an unsafe situation would definitely be a con to having your baby in the workplace with you. Is this somewhere where the baby has the potential to get hurt? And especially is this somewhere where the baby has the potential to really get hurt? So we could argue that, for instance, if we took baby to a grocery store, like the podcast listener who sent the question, that, well, baby might could pull a can or a display over on him or herself. And that's certainly true. And you might think in that in that instance, how can I better organize this to ensure my baby's safety? But chances are in that kind of a situation, you're already thinking about safety because you have customers who likely have young children and or you may have elderly customers who are uh, who are not very steady on their feet or who are maybe trying to navigate with a wheelchair or a walker or a cane. You are making or you are already thinking along the lines of how do I create safety when I put up these displays? Uh, So that that's not so much what I'm talking about, more I'm talking about 
What if you work in a manufacturing facility or a laboratory where there are chemicals or there's heavy machinery, that sort of thing? So those are situations where we would definitely think twice about having a baby in in that situation. Other things that we think about, uh, so we you know just the big con of it's not a societal expectation. We would think it's definitely probably frowned upon by society at large. Then safety is a concern. Another huge concern that most people have is productivity. So, what what is the productivity? level going to be for a parent who has to split his or her attention between work and between babies. So what might be the productivity input or or the productivity impact? How would that impact expected output? I'm trying to think about all these corporate terms and mix them in with baby. And you can see that even the trying to mix of the two can cause ah your tongue to feel like it's jelly. And we worry if the baby's in the workplace, does our work all become jelly? How do we go back and forth flexibly from being mom to being marketing manager or mom to being sales representative or mom to worker? Those are hard to think. Or hats off to you, daddy's actually one of the companies that I am going to share with you. It's it's a daddy that's in their little case study. So, you know, how do I go back and forth from being daddy? And maybe for daddy... I would wager it's probably even harder because there is obviously that bias in society that men are supposed to be climbing the corporate ladder, dedicated to their job. Men who even don't want to bring baby into the workforce feel that that massive expectation from an employer that they be willing to shovel their family aside for the business. Uh, and certainly if they're trying to think about bringing baby to work, it's hard. And then also I think that moms... Forgive me, daddies, but I think that moms are also built a little bit more naturally with that ability to shuffle both baby and work. And for daddies, I think it's a little more learned. But anyways, what we're saying is that um, we really worry about our productivity. We also worry, tied in with that, what is what is the perception of us? Perception by management, perception by coworkers. Are they going to take us less seriously because we have a baby in tow? Or are they going to assume a lower level of competence? Those are issues that people have. Speaking of coworkers, we have to think about how are our coworkers going to receive this? Is this going to cause strife or conflict in the office? Are people going to resent us? One of the things that you'll sometimes see when discussing parents in the workplace not necessarily even bringing their babies to work, but when special considerations are given to parents like parental leave and that sort of thing, you will often see if you're reading blog comments and things, well, what about those of us who have chosen to remain childless? We don't get all these perks, et cetera, et cetera. And that can cause some resentment. Now, proactive and progressive companies who are really thinking through this also think through those kinds of issues. And I would say that really that is... You know, if the employer wants to be very supportive of families, then the employer should also think think through, how do I support and affirm my single employees as well? Um, so that's really a ball in the employer's court. But some might argue, is that a ball that quote unquote should be in the employer's court? Should they have to do that? Is this not fair to the company? Which kind of rolls back to that productivity thing. You know, is this negatively impacting the company? So there's a lot going on there. There are a lot of things that could be said to be cons to having a baby in the workplace. And we've touched on several of those hot points and hit minor points while we're in there. And I'm sure that I'm missing some big ones. Um, Customer reception could definitely be a a con, though I think it could also be a, a pro. So with that, we can move into what would be the pros of having a baby in the workplace, things that seem obvious. And then we'll dig into more deeply answering some of these pros and cons. But a, a, a pro to having the baby in the workplace is that you as mom or dad know where your baby is. You know what's going on with your baby. You are able to be there to meet your baby's needs, which is of great comfort to you. When I was researching for this podcast and I was reading through uh, quite a number of articles, some of which I'll share with you in the show notes, but it was very interesting for me to read because they had some expert opinion and, oh, 
I mean, I'm sure that he knew his stuff, but it was just, I guess his comment was a little bit patronizing almost, basically that it will be a long time before we know the impact that this kind of choice makes on child development. And I think that that statement comes built upon the back of the tension that is out there because I think most people, at least now, maybe a generation from now it will be different, but most people now and in the past have had this kind of sense that it's good for a child to be cared for by his or her mother. And there's a level of guilt that comes when we're thinking that the primary caregiver might not be the mom or a family member, but rather the primary caregiver is, uh, is a hired hand, so to speak. And of course, at various places in the past and with various social structures, there wasn't that sense of guilt wasn't there. Like if we look at aristocratic England, for example, uh, the children were trotted out on display and all dollied up for a little bit of time every day, like an hour or two, maybe at the most. And then otherwise, they were cared for by other people, and that was just seen as normal. But now we have this feeling that a, a child should probably be raised by his or her mother, and there's this sense of guilt. And I think that that sense of guilt has spawned a massive business in science and research for researchers to be able to say, no, daycare has these benefits, you don't need to worry. Or occasionally one will come out and say, well, children really do benefit from the mother at home. And then another one will come out that uh, that contradicts that. And I think that always, usually, the hand rests on the contradictory side to say that, uh, you know, as long as you do X, Y, and Z, even if you have your child in daycare, they will thrive. And I'm not really here to argue that point at all. I'm just saying that that's, you know, we have this entire body of research and this entire dedication of career to people who are looking to research this one topic. And that's where I think that the expert and the article was coming from is, uh, is we don't have enough research to say if this really benefits the child or not to be at work with their mom is coming from that kind of politically correct point of view that we don't want to, we don't want to step on anybody's toes. So even if this might be good for the baby. We don't want to say that it might be good for the baby because we don't want to make somebody feel guilty who may have chosen to use a daycare on-site or off-site instead. And it's just, I think sometimes all those research studies get wrapped up a lot in political correctness. And I think that sometimes they stop innovation. For instance, considering bringing a baby into the workplace would be considered an innovative solution. At least for a little while, one of the things that we'll see in some of these case studies is that many employers have chosen that up to six months, a few eight months, but that six to eight month mark is is the baby's in the workplace limit. And uh, and so baby does need to go to daycare or some sort of childcare situation after that. But there's innovation for those early months um, and an acknowledgement that at least the employer and the employee both feel that that's important to the employee and also to the baby. And certainly in the case of a nursing mother, it's going to make things easier for her. So again, this is not to say that daycares are good or are bad, but I don't really think that we should dismiss this whole notion because we don't have some scientific study that says this is overall beneficial to the child. I think that we could all agree that on a bonding and attachment level, being able to spend those days with mom is a good thing. So it's good for mom's peace of mind, as we said before I went down that little rabbit trail. It's good for mom's peace of mind. And I also think we could agree that it's good for baby. It's good for baby from a bonding and attachment perspective, from a continuity of life perspective, that mom is the caregiver and they get a chance to get a little bit older before they do need to go into a daycare situation or with another caregiver, a nanny or a grandma or somebody who's able to provide perhaps in-home child care, whatever it is that works for you. Or maybe there's an on-site daycare that they can go to starting at six months. But there is benefit to them being able to be with mom up to that point for both mom and baby or dad and baby. Just having that primary caregiver be able to be primary throughout those early months of life is beneficial. So mom's feeling better, has more peace of mind, baby is with mom, and, and we hope that that has benefits for baby. We predict that that has benefits for baby. So those are two major things. And I also think it's good to say that though 
opinion of customers is divided that I think that customers in general like to think, uh, you know, they like to think that a company is friendly and progressive and open to moms and babies. And often a baby can make anybody smile, coworkers or babies. Now we can come back to coworkers too. Of course, some coworkers are going to worry about the baby, but other coworkers enjoy that in the environment, especially when they get baby cuddles, but no responsibility for taking care of the baby. And that can be a lot of fun too. Really, when we look at the pros, we're taking a lot of the cons and exploring them from a different angle. So what about productivity? One of the things that I saw in many of these case studies, and granted there's not a lot because this is an innovative and progressive thing that's not really happening in many places, but with the companies that I saw, they all noted that employee productivity was pretty high. They did all note that you can't really expect full-time work from a parent who has their baby in the workplace. That in general, we're looking at maybe a six-hour day uh, because two hours are going to be fully devoted to the baby. And one of the companies actually billed, or actually paid the employee as such. So they pay, they're paid based on a six-hour day. Um, even if they're there for eight hours, with the assumption that the baby is going, they're going to be spending at least two hours on baby care throughout the course of the day. And the employees could, they could plan to have vacation time help make, make that up or make other plans, but that was, that was part of the company policy. So again, what we're seeing is that employees are not going to be working full time, but what was seen pretty much universally was that productivity is indeed up. Productivity is higher. And we could talk about many of the reasons why productivity might be higher in this situation. But I think it has to do with peace of mind. I think it has to do with the feeling that they don't have to split their loyalties. And that there's not that stress factor of wondering about the baby. Plus, there's also the knowledge that my employer is being gracious. My customers are being gracious. My team is being gracious. And therefore, when I'm able to work, I am really, really going to work on it. So I think we get a taste of the pros and cons. And we'll, we'll perhaps touch on a few of them as we continue the discussion. So another big question is, can babies even be in the workplace? Can this happen? You will probably get the idea that I believe it can happen because I've got several companies that I've already hinted at who are making it work. And I have made babies and work work since I started my website, which was almost 11 years ago now when my third was a baby. And I've been building a business and growing my business since then. It has not always been easy for me. I definitely think there are some benefits to self-employment in that, um, you know, there were times when I could just let things go. There are times when family emergencies, like this emergency with my mom having a stroke in May, I mean, that really put things just kind of really threw a wrench into things and really still are. I mean, we're still having a lot going on. In fact, I'm kind of anxious this morning because she has a doctor's appointment at 11:30 that I'm thinking about as I record this and I had uh, you know I spent time with her right after the stroke and then I flew back down again to visit uh, and to spend time with her I've been taking on increased responsibilities with helping my dad just keep up with the day-to-day -day details of life so that he's not totally overwhelmed with everything I'm already planning another trip in a few months to be able to go back down there to help him get some meetings done that he needs to get done so that I can, you know, and then be with mom and just see what her progress is. So that, you know, that's just something that's totally not related to my kids that has definitely impacted business, my ability to do business and my ability to work. Um, and it's impacted it so much that I actually lost an independent contract because of some of it. And that's, you know, that's just something that I've got to accept. So interruptions in the workplace and stress in the workplace and things like that, they don't just come because of babies. And again, that was a rabbit trail that I got off on, but it helps us to remember that it's, you know, it's not just children in the workplace that cause crises, cause interruptions. There are many things that can, a divorce, uh, a death in the family, a major illness or emergency in the family. A major illness or an emergency with you, a disabling accident, many things can come up. So especially when we think about many of these policies that the baby is only going to be there for six months, it's very similar to 
a lot of other situations because often people have emergencies and issues that quote-unquote derail life for months on end. Uh, that three to six month mark I think is really a a good time period to look over getting something made getting over or moving on from or beginning to heal from something major that happens in life. So again, let's let's jump back to can babies be in the workplace. So again, I believe that they can be in the workplace. I believe that you can get work done and I actually fully feel that that young period from 1 to 6 months or so is especially feasible because newborns are so sleepy that even if you have a newborn who's on the cranky side, if your newborn can be attached to you most of the time, then your baby is generally content. One of the things that I could see being an issue with a cranky baby is they often like you to be moving. And that can sometimes make it a little bit hard to work, especially if you need to be typing. Though one of the things with one of the companies that we saw, and I'll go ahead and say the name of this one, it was Riza. Uh, they said that they, they encourage standing meetings. And they do that as a matter of course because... It helps keep meetings briefer overall, but standing meetings also allow flexibility to a mom or dad who might be in the workplace because they're able to walk with a cranky baby or bounce a cranky baby. Another thing that could be workable in that situation perhaps is having a birth ball uh, as your desk chair, which some people choose for health reasons. So again, having a birth ball and just bouncing. I'm actually sitting on a birth ball as I record this podcast, So, and I, I'm actually bouncing on it right now. I don't usually, though I do tend to rock back and forth. But you know, you could record something, or you could do, I, I mean, I can even do a, a measure of work bouncing on, on a bouncy ball, now, or a birth ball, exercise ball. Now that's not to say that it's not easier to get work done when you don't have a baby nursing or when you aren't trying to bounce on a birth ball with your baby in a baby carrier. Certainly it is. But the question here is, is it possible to get things done? Is it possible to get quite a bit done? Yes. Yes, it is. So and you can also work out other things. One of the things is that uh, even if you think that your baby doesn't have a routine, this is one of the things that I've gotten Smart Mama Happy Baby is the go to sleep class. It's a three-part class, one for newborns, one for infants, one for toddlers. But one of the things that's in the newborn class is a little graph for you to actually graph out your baby's sleeping and waking, and if you wish to note it, eating patterns in the day. And one of the things that was very illuminating for me when I did this with my babies, and I think it's been very illuminating for many students, is that even if you feel like your baby is completely random, when you graph that entire week, you shade in sleeping times, say in blue, and waking times in yellow, and maybe you mark where feeds are, you will notice that there is a pattern. It may not be exactly the same every day, but it is relatively similar. Your baby has a routine and a pattern. One of the things we talk about in that class is how do we adjust it, especially to favor sleeping at night. But if you were in a work situation, understanding your baby's pattern in the time before you went back to work, and then thinking how could I work with this during my work day, gives you a sense of empowerment and an ability to know, okay, my baby tends to sleep during this time. This would be a good time to schedule a client call. Or my baby is generally happy and jolly and, and likes to coo and gurgle during this time. So this is probably a good time to let him or her have a little bit of tummy time on the floor while I'm able to type up this report. Or this is my baby's cranky time. So this is one of those times during the day when I'm going to say, okay, this is part of the time that I'm taking care of my baby. Those are things that can help. Now, a baby changes and grows from a newborn to, say, a six-month-old. And obviously, there's going to be some changes there. But I feel like just like what I teach to, say, a stay-at-home mom is about having a rhythm and a routine for the day and you gradually work your baby into that. Certainly you can do that in the office as well. Certain, certainly you can. So I believe that it is very feasible to have a baby in the office, especially if you can easily meet baby's needs by being able to walk with baby or being able to nurse baby or if you're a daddy, being able to feed baby. So those sorts of things can be accommodated for. They need to be thought through, but certainly we can think through them. 
Now there are some practical thoughts, and this is probably the meat of what you guys want, which is practically how do we handle baby in the workplace? And that's where I thought that the case studies were really useful. So one of the ones that I mentioned already was Riza, and I'll link to the articles about all of these companies so that you can look. I really like the one from Riza because they actually had a bulleted list of things that helped uh, this particular mom, and it sounds like her manager had also brought a baby to work. So they were able to work and brainstorm, and I found myself wishing that this article was even more in-depth. But these are some points. They had seven points to consider just from a very practical perspective. Meetings last an hour or less. And before I go on, let me just mention another one of the companies that I'll talk about is WS Badger. And... uh, And it was a dad for that company that was taking care of the baby. And one of the things that he mentioned was that often for meetings, he had somebody else who was able to hold the baby. Several of the companies talked about having a designated second. So a person who could handle the baby if the employee absolutely needed to be able to focus their attention on something. And one of the companies, which was the GL Group, a children's book publisher, mentioned having two backup people. And the reasons for this were obvious to have a backup person and also because it it decreased employee resistant or employee resentment from employees who maybe weren't baby people or who were worried about being imposed upon and that these people the designated second or third are the only people who are asked ever to help with baby care now I imagine that if another employee steps up and says hey I can hold him or hey may I hold him one of the employees in one of the profiles uh, said that that they had had somebody come I think this was a mom had had somebody come to her and say can I hold your baby I just had a really rough sales call and I need a smile so you know the baby's little oxytocin machine but As a matter of course, if you need to really focus, there's one person. And obviously, you're probably going to be really careful with that, thinking carefully um, the duration that they would take or something. But but W.S. Badger had mentioned that during meetings and things where real focus needs to be, the second person is there to, to be able to take the baby. And that's by mutual agreement well beforehand. But again, meetings that last an hour or less. So that's a relatively short meeting, especially if you need to have a baby in the meeting. Number two, being able to stand up and walk around meetings, which we talked about quite a bit. Number three, having a 10 to 15 minute break between meetings for changing and nursing the baby. Um, And I think that this was covered in some of them, but like a dedicated area to do changing and nursing. I can't help but think that if I were having, you know, if I had my own office space or even my own cubicle, I would want the freedom to be able to change the baby there to minimize interruptions. But certainly in a conference situation, a conference room or that sort of thing, you would not want to change the baby on the conference table. You know, you would want to go somewhere more private for for changing. And most of the companies seem to have created some sort of an area that could accommodate that. So again, a a 10 to 15 minute break if there's going to be back-to-back meetings that let a mom change and nurse. Having a place for nursing privacy is number four. Number five, group communication environment and tools. And I'll go, she did elaborate on this. I'll elaborate on that. So one of the things that or that she mentioned was the ability to do kind of like a text chat. She mentioned hip chat. Uh, one thing that we use here for naturalbirthandbabycare.com is we use Slack, which I love. Um, basically, these are all tools that let you chat with people within your organization, but they're asynchronous, so you know it's not like an instant messenger where you're like having to ping back and forth on each other. But they keep the the organ the the conversations organized by topic so that whenever the other person is able to get in uh, and access that conversation and and take the next step or move the conversation forward, they're able to. But it doesn't necessarily require that immediate immediate feedback, which is which is cool, especially for any parent, but for any worker who doesn't want to be interrupted during an intense time. Another tool that she mentioned, communication tool, is Skype. So doing a teleconference via Skype is really nice. And she says she uses the mute button heavily so that if there's a baby who's uh, crying or just being gurgly or snortily or chuckly or giggly or whatever, noisy, she can hit the mute button and only unmute when she needs to come in in the conversation. And I have done a lot of teleconferences with babies on my hip, on my back, and the mute button has been wonderful. I can only think of one, and we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of calls that I I've taught teleconferences that I've attended uh, over the course of running my business, and I can only think of one really 
where I had an inconsolable baby and basically I uh, had to tell the person I was talking to, to to please go on to the next person because I just was not going to be able to, to talk with the baby. So I think that those tools are wonderful. So again, group communication and environment communication environment and tools number six working remotely and again she mentions using the mute button so that's the ability to work from wherever that's one of the big benefits for me being a work at home worker is that you know I'm working at my home and my clients and my students and my readers and my listeners you know they don't they get kind of a filtered thing like for instance right now Um, I did have an open door policy where Sadie was kind of wandering in and out, but I let Scott know that I needed him to be on exclusive Sadie duty for a half an hour or so, and now I'm, I'm above the half an hour, but it's okay. You know, I needed him to be on that exclusive Sadie duty so that I could record this podcast. When I have a newborn, you guys often hear snuffles uh, and snortles from the newborn because they're often in my arms, but basically there's that flexibility. So working remote does have advantages. And then another thing is tolerance of mild interruptions. So if you're going to be in a workplace and babies are going to be accepted there, there needs there need to be or there needs to be a level of tolerance. That's important. So I thought that those were some good practical suggestions. Another one that kept coming to my mind over and over again, which I didn't see anybody mention in any of the case studies, maybe because it was a given, but I was especially thinking of this because I'm thinking of the podcast listener who originally asked the question. She's talking about working in her little grocery store co-op kind of situation, and I'm thinking baby carrier, baby carrier, baby carrier. Um, I know that babies vary in their tolerance for that. I've actually had one newborn, that was Corwin, my sixth, who really, really, really did not like being in the little front carrier, uh, the, you know, the little Moby wrap, um, Mine's not a Moby wrap. I don't remember what it's called right now, though. So my little wrap carrier, he just didn't like it. All my other babies have really liked it, but Corwin wasn't really content in a carrier until he was big enough to get in the ergo. And I didn't try like an infant ergo insert, or they they have a little towel roll that you can make to kind of simulate the infant insert, and I haven't tried that yet either. But I wonder now, thinking back on it, would he have liked that better? Maybe he just didn't like the wrap. But I know that once I could get him in the ergo, and especially on my back, he loved being carried thin. So that's, you know, you can think flexibly. But especially, you know, you can wear your baby in a carrier. Um, Once your baby gets a little bit bigger, probably going to be getting to the limit of a baby being at the workplace if you're limited to your baby being there till six to eight months. But four to five months or so, you can usually put your baby on on your back in a carrier like the Ergo Baby Carrier. And then you can often get quite a bit of work done. I would think that especially if you're stocking shelves, if you're interacting with customers on the floor in some sort of business, being able to have your baby in a carrier or on your back when you're likely probably up and about quite a bit too can be helpful. One of the companies that was profiled was was a New Zealand company. Um... And I can't remember, it was a mattress company, but uh, I don't see the name of the company right here anyways. Oh, Beds For You. Anyways, it's a mattress company, and I'm not sure if she's on the floor, but, well, actually, she must have been on the floor because she mentioned a time when her baby was fussy and her customers said they just browsed for a minute while she she calmed the baby down. So again, um, you know, she's she's on the floor. So having the baby in the baby carrier while she's walking around talking about mattress and furniture features and benefits and things like that can work well. And the same, especially if you're working in a small retail situation where you are giving more personal one-on-one support. Now we can always talk about the flip side of that, that your baby might be fussy or maybe disruptive, but often babies in a baby carrier are very happy just to participate in life. And I think this is a good time and I'll try to keep it You know, I'll try to keep it a little bit succinct because I know that we're already getting long here, but I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. But when we think back into the past uh, and you think about things, for instance, The Continuing Concept, which is a fascinating book to read. Uh, You can disagree and agree with it on certain levels, but it's a fascinating book to read. And that, that basic talk that babies are part of their world, they're part of their world, they're not the center of their world. And actually... I'm going to reach behind me for a minute. When Sadie was a baby, and I was really struggling because I was at a place where I really wanted to grow and scale naturalbirthandbabycare.com. I wanted to reach more families. And 
I also wanted to be there for my baby and she was very intense, high needs baby and I was really feeling torn and I had a friend, a wise mentor uh, who, you know, who was talking to me and helping me figure things out. Wintergreen from the Common Knowledge Trust. That's she's the director of the Common Knowledge Trust, which is the group that puts together the pink kit. And I just really value her wisdom in so many ways. But she told me to get the book Babies Celebrated, and I'll link to it. Um, it's by Beatrice Fontenelle and Claire de Harcourt. And her, you know, her. She told me to get the book and just it's really a, a photo essay of babies all around the world, which is why it's called Baby Celebrated. But there are so many pictures in it of of families just being with their babies and just being about daily normal life with their babies. It's that whole kind of continuum concept thing and I'm just you know I'm just flipping through the book right now looking at these beautiful pictures of babies on laps of babies on backs of babies slung on hips and it's just it's just wonderful because you're seeing these mothers and fathers and even some grandfathers and certainly probably some grandmothers too but they're just going about their daily lives and their babies are along for the ride so I think we have this perception in our modern society that work and baby are very separate and that children are to be raised by the nanny or the governess or the mother or the daycare or whatever. But I think that reality, when we look worldwide and when we look throughout history, there was not that neat, clean distinction. Mothers had to work. Even when we think about stay-at-home moms, uh, until very recently, often those moms were out in the garden, (laughs) um, a huge garden, or they were helping milk the family cow, or they were doing all of this uh, seamstress work. Moms have been working for a long time, and they found a way to bring their children along with that. Obviously, we want to protect the safety of our babies, and we want to make sure they're not in situations that are dangerous. But moms have been gathering food, milking cows, working in fields, all kinds of things for ages with their babies on their back or sleeping in a basket next to them. And it's just humans have found a way to make that work and have found a way perhaps to have a happier, more connected society. Now, I, you know, I'm I'm not going to wax poetic or romantic about things in the past and how much better and more wholesome human society was because I really fully believe that all societies eventually have had issues or have had some sort of issue. But when we do look back, perhaps at that simpler life, maybe a hunter-gatherer lifestyle or nomadic lifestyle where, uh, you know, where there was some traveling and following the animals around, those sorts of more, uh, I guess, idyllic lifestyles that we think about for earlier humans, we often do associate those with lower levels of stress and with family unity. And maybe that unity was sometimes strained or sometimes there were divisions or we just romanticize it because we weren't really there in the in the family group or in the nomad group or in the tribal group. But we can think about that there were, you know, there were some things going on there that were right. And I think that one of them was this expectation that mothers are contributors to the society. They contribute by caring for the children and they're valued. And they also contribute because they have other things to do. And that mother and those other things, provider, meal provider, whatever, uh, are not mutually exclusive. So that's just something to mull on. I guess a few thoughts to give you. Uh, but again, I, t- I told you that I would share with you some of the, these companies. So I've talked about a couple of them. I think Riza was a really good one to look at. And the WS Badger one, I'm going to actually embed a video from them because it's a really great video. It's pretty short, not long to watch at all. But again, and it's the dad, but they really talk about a whole bunch of initiatives they've made across the company 
to increase employee morale, um, boost their employee retention rates to almost unimaginable numbers. And it's just a pretty cool video to look at an innovative workplace if you're wanting to explore that. Um, like I said, the GL group is the one that I mentioned that they have a division. So those who are working in one of their office locations can choose to bring a baby to work with them, but they also have warehouse locations that for safety reasons, they choose not to let employees bring babies to work in those situations, which I think is, you know, that's a reasonable thing. Both WS Badger and the GL group have the six-month rule where baby can come up to six months. I'm not sure if Riza did or not. Another case study that I read, which was really interesting to look at, um, is with Stacy Binday. She's the CEO and creative director of Alice and Olivia, which is a clothing design firm. And she actually went back to work very quickly at only six days postpartum, which, whoa, that's something to wrap my mind around because I think, you know, she should probably still have been in bed and at least stayed in bed for a couple of weeks. But at the same time, um, the schedule that she resumed with seems to be pretty reasonable. And I could certainly see it working for for like an at-home mom who didn't feel like it was too much pressure because she took her older two girls to school, worked for a few hours, took a long lunch, nursed and cuddled her baby, and then worked for another hour or two getting home around 1 or 2 p.m. So she was only working for a few hours in the morning. And that's actually very similar to the schedule that I've found works really well for me uh, because morning is my best productivity time. And as at this point, a very interesting family makeup, uh, or at least the way that we do things since Scott was laid off, um, is uh, one of the things that we found works for us is for me to work in the morning hours, generally from about 8-ish to about 11.30-ish, and then we actually do our homeschool in the afternoon, though Scott handles math in the morning. Thank you to my darling husband for doing that. Um, but in the afternoon, you know, that's my time to feel really free um, to be there for my family and to do our homeschooling and that sort of thing. So it's kind of a similar schedule. It's just those few hours. And though I imagine that Stacy probably increased her hours once she didn't have a newborn, for us, we found that that works well. And also just to me, having that those hours where my child is either napping or occupied with a newborn. I would certainly have the newborn in here with me, and I have done that. Now that Sadie's older, I, I often will leave the door open so she can wander in and out, but I also like being able to close the door and knowing that I can do something like record a podcast or work on a really intense article or do some really in-depth research that I need to do for a class or for an article. So there's, I think... The, the reason why I really shared Stacy's story is not to say that I think you should go back to work at six days postpartum, but to share that, again, flexibility, innovation, figuring out what works for you. For me, like as I'm sure is true for Stacy, I get a huge amount of satisfaction from my work. Um, and knowing that I've done this work, knowing that I've been here for you, that I've shared these things with you helps me to feel good and, uh, and more ready to pour myself out for my family because this work is really energizing for me. And then thinking about, for instance, homeschool, especially history. I just love digging into the stories of history with my kids, especially now that I've got kids who are hitting teenager age. I love getting in discussions with them about current events, about worldviews and things like that. That's energizing for me. So, you know, having these energizing pools of time helps me get through things that aren't so energizing. For instance, having to make meals, um, and, and so I think that's good for me. That helps me. And really, it's all pouring me out onto different things that I feel passionate about, but it's energizing. It gives back to me. And that's pretty cool. And I guess that kind of innovation, flexibility, thinking about you, thinking about what your family's needs are, can be really helpful for you. I did say that we would take a minute to talk about toddlers and older kids in the workplace and uh, and I feel like we're really getting long on the podcast, so maybe we can do another podcast on that completely. But I've already touched on that. You know, now that, that Sadie is older, there are definitely times when I want to be able to not have her here. And I could see that there are challenges in the workplace. Though, again, I think that children have always been part of families and family groups. I think that sometimes if we look back at those uh, more traditional peoples where there's a tribal group or a nomadic group, often as they got older, kids tended to be in groups themselves. Uh, kind of like if you read about the farm in Tennessee, which is Ina May's 
community where the farm midwifery kind of started one of the things that they talk about with the kids is there was like the kid pack and they had dedicated people who were dedicated to the kid pack and guiding the kid pack and I think that that often happened so exploring older children in the workplace is is a certainly an interesting exploration and I think it takes a level of thought above and beyond but certainly if you own your business or you're working from home I think there are ways to make that happen. It may mean that you need some dedicated child care at some point or some way to make an accommodation for an older child to really give you the ability to work. But at the same time, there is a little a little sushi place that Scott and I enjoy going to. We actually haven't gone in a long time, but there's a little sushi place in in our local town and for as long as I can remember, they have had like a decorative a pretty decorative screen up and if you peek behind that screen, as you're walking by, uh, you would see like a crib and everything, and then you saw older children's toys, activity books and things, and uh, and then as the children got even older, you would often see a little table in the back of the sushi place where the children would roll the napkins uh, around, the, around the silverware and things. And I think, too, that's something that's been a time-honored tradition is not exploitation, but children working as part of the family business. We want to guard and be aware that we're giving our kids time to be kids, but I also don't think that it's unhealthy to let children be involved. So if you're working at a grocery store, let them learn how to start putting boxes or cans on the shelves. Let them learn some about how to arrange vegetables nicely for the customer. Um, if If you're running a restaurant, you know, obviously there's things that you want to look at restaurant codes and things like that but again this is a real thriving delicious restaurant and you'll occasionally see that little one in the back wrapping up silverware and napkins and often behind the little screen doing whatever activity she's doing to keep herself occupied but the you know that that kind of legacy of the family business and of pulling yourself up and of making it work and including your children I think really in the end is only healthy for our children and if we saw it more it might be more more accepted. And again, we could dig into that even more in even more depth in another podcast episode. We are getting long now, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, remember, if you're interested in those transcripts, check them out at birthbabylife.com slash shop to buy them one off in the shop. But what I would really love you to do is check out smartmamahappybaby.com. That's smartmama, M-A-M-A, happybaby.com. Um, again, we're doing the book study, which is just fabulous, very stimulating, very thought-provoking, lots and lots to consider as we consider what's the right fit for our children as we consider early years development. There's the Q&A session where I answer all of your questions about any issues that you're having, pregnancy, birth, baby, toddlerhood. Um, we've even tackled some about adolescence and puberty. I am totally up for hitting all of them. We do the live classes. You get the library of all the past classes, which is 25 plus at this point. We've got some other goodies like menus and things. I would love for you to check it out. Doing that helps support my family. It does help support the work that I'm doing. It keeps the podcast coming to you and so much more. I appreciate it. And I know that other families who were able to reach because of your support appreciate it. With that, check it out, smartmamahappybaby.com. If you've got any feedback, please let me know. I love to hear it. Take a minute to leave a rating on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play Store. I really appreciate it. I hope that you have a blessed week and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.